You don't have to swing hard to hit a home run. If you got the timing, it'll go. This quote was by Yogi Berra. Folks, you may have heard the phrase that timing is everything. Have you ever encountered people in your life where you're just like, wow, they always seem to have great timing, being at the right place at the right time? Or perhaps the opposite, man, they always seem to have bad timing. Do you learn how to capture the opportunity when it presents itself? Or do you miss that window because your timing was off? There's another quote I want to share. The bad news is that time flies. The good news is that you're the pilot. This quote was by Michael Ashuler. If timing is of essence, how do you hone in on getting better at identifying the right time? In today's episode, I'm going to share my secret recipe of how to capture great timing. How does the 80-20 rule, combined with the lessons I've learned in the wine class, have taught me about capturing good timing? You'll want to listen into this episode. Let's cue the intro. Welcome to the Boom Vision Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Ye. This show is about how you can thrive. It's when you build success in alignment with your mind, body, and soul. I created this podcast to give you perspectives and frameworks on how to strengthen your mindset and gain clarity in your purpose. It's time for you to live an extraordinary life with vision that you design. Let's get to work. Hi, folks. Welcome back to episode 31 of the Boom Vision Podcast. Today's episode is all about timing. In the past few weeks, the conversations I've been having with my friends and clients have all centered around timing. Is it the right time to buy or sell my house? Is it the right time to double down on my business with this looming recession? And the overarching response that I share in these discussions is that, well, you have to be able to zoom out, zoom in, and identify what matters. So there's a quote I want to share. Things that matter most must never be at the mercy of things that matter least. This quote was by Richard Koch, the author of the 80-20 principle. And so what is the 80-20 rule? Also known as the Pareto principle, it basically means that 80% of the outcomes results from 20% of all causes for any given event. So another way of saying it is that 80% of what moves the needle in a situation is largely moved by 20% of the concentrated efforts, 20% of your concentrated time. It's usually the remaining 20% of the outcome that takes up 80% of your efforts and time. So what are some examples of this? If you are a entrepreneur, or let's say you run your own coaching program, or you're a health practitioner, majority of your business probably comes from your repeat customers, repeat clients. You get a portion from new customers as you're growing your practice. But chances are, a bulk of your revenue may come from a small select few of repeat customers. And so the main takeaway I just wanted to share on the 80-20 rule is that you want to be able to prioritize the top 20% of the factors that produce 80% of the results. 
Are you staying busy for the sake of being busy, or are you working on the things that move the needle in your business, in your career, or in your life? And so, to drive home the point of the eighty twenty rule, I want to share a interview question at Google. Shashir Marosra is the co-founder and CEO of a company named Coda. But at one point in his career, he was a VP of Product and Engineering at Google. And so I remember watching this TikTok video where he shared an interview question that his team would ask candidates back when he was still at Google. And so the question was this: A group of scientists have invented a teleportation device. They hired you to be their business counterpart to bring this device to the market. So the question is, what do you do? And so what Shashir said is that most candidates would ask a bunch of questions like, "What does this device do? How does it work? Is it big or small?" But at some point in the interview, they will share with the candidate, "You only have two more questions you can ask before sharing your plan and your recommendation." So when you narrow down to only allowing two questions to be asked, it really forces the candidates to really think about. What question will yield the most information that helps to move the needle? And so, the two questions that he find most fascinating is this: the first one is, "Is it safe enough for humans or not?" And the second question is, "Is it more expensive to buy these devices or to run them?" Now, why are these two questions important? How do these two questions move the needle? If these devices were safe for humans. And they were cheap to buy, but expensive to run. Then what he shared was that think of them as human fax machines. You'll want all of these devices everywhere in the world. However, if they're safe for humans, expensive to buy, but cheap to run, think of them as replacing airports. It's very costly to buy, so you want these devices in strategic locations throughout the world, so that the mass population. Can move in and out on major cities and major countries. Now, if it's not safe for humans, then you want to pivot into a complete different direction. You will want to explore and value which goods are being transported in a very costly way that can yield the highest ROI, return on investments. And so, the thing about these questions is that Google is just trying to understand what is the thought process of these candidates. Rather than giving them an infinite amount of ability to ask questions, are you able to ask the right amount of questions when you're limited to just two? And so the main takeaway of sharing this interview question from Google is that if you think about the 80/20 rule, how would you prioritize the top 20% of factors that will produce 80% of the results? What questions can you ask that will move the needle the most? Do you have a habit of asking questions that only scratch the surface, that only identify the symptoms, or are you asking questions that gets down to the root cause? And so, the second part of the recipe is this wine class that I took. And so, I want to share a personal story. I took a wine class during the last semester of my graduate degree at Cornell University in the hospitality program. And so, in this wine class, we learned a lot of information about wine. For example, we learned about the different grape varieties, 
I was able to understand the difference between a Cabernet Sauvignon versus a Pinot Noir, the difference between a Chardonnay versus a Riesling. Another thing that I learned, for example, is that if you enjoy sweeter wines, you'll want to pick a wine from a vineyard located in colder climates because sweeter grapes are typically produced in colder climates. Now, the thing is, is that after I took this wine class, it wasn't that I became an immediate wine expert, right? It was far from it. I just knew certain key information where it gave me the confidence where if I were to go to a fine dining and if the waiter or waitress handed me the wine list, depending on what my guests are having for dinner, I would be able to navigate the wine list to make sure that I'm pairing the right wine given what they're having for that evening. Now, the two main questions I would ask is this. The first question is, what would you like to order for your tonight's dinner? The second question is, do you prefer sweeter white wines or a more dry, tannic red wine? Why are these two questions important? By understanding what my guests are having for dinner, are they ordering a prefix menu where there's multiple courses? Are they ordering a la carte where perhaps they might be ordering seafood or they might be ordering steak? And understanding if they'll have a sweeter tooth and would be ordering dessert. All these information is important because it gives me a better understanding of when they will enjoy the main course. If, for example, they're ordering seafood as a main dish, but they don't really like sweet wines, then you probably want to order a Chardonnay versus a Riesling. If your guest is ordering steak, then you probably want to order a red wine. And if they like things on a sweeter side, you might want to order a Pinot Noir over a Cab. And so these little information gives you glimpses of what would be the right solution depending on when the main course comes. Because if your guest is ordering a prefix menu where there's multiple rounds of courses, then you probably want to start with a white wine in the beginning because it's lighter on the taste palette before you get into the main course that might be heavier. And so the question I have for you is this, what will make a more memorable and lasting impression? Is it being a wine expert that can decode the entire wine list? Or is it pairing the right solution to the right need at the right time? And so the biggest takeaway I got from taking that wine class, it wasn't that I became a wine expert, okay? I am by no means a sommelier. But I remembered key learnings from that wine course that enabled me to be confident so that when I'm on a date or if I'm hosting a group of people at a fine dining, I know how to navigate the wine list to pair the right solution at the right need at the right time. You do not need to know everything there is to know to become an expert. Experiences are more impactful when you pair the right solution to the right problem at the right time. It enhances and makes the experience that much more memorable. And so this is why I'm sharing my secret recipe and a key in better timing. When you strengthen your ability to focus on the 80-20 rule, practice identifying the 20% of the efforts that move 80% of the needle. Once you identify what needs are the most relevant that moves the needle for your clients, for your guests or audience, 
you'll know what solutions is most important to pair with those important needs, similar to what I learned in wine class. So with that said, what are this week's action steps? This week, it's the BIAS method, B-I-A-S. B stands for breathe. Take a deep breath. Calm yourself with a method that works for you in quieting your wind tunnel. Allowing yourself, whether it's through breath work exercises, whether it's running, yoga, jogging, whatever it may be, find a way to calm yourself. But the simplest way is just to take a deep breath. I, I stands for identify. Identify what are the 20% factors in your business, in your career, or in a project you're working on that will move 80% of the needle. I want you to frame it by asking yourself only two questions. What are the top two questions about your situation, whether it's your business, career, or project, that will have the most impact? Asking yourself only two questions forces you to practice to becoming clear and concise on how to identify what matters the most. What will move the needle? A stands for assess. Assess the situation, the needs of your clients, your audience, your guests. What time is the most relevant in their problems or need? Going back to my example of the fine dining, are they ordering prefix? Is it a la carte or a dessert? It's what matters to them the most in the beginning, middle, or end. And S stands for solutions. What are the top two solutions that best pairs with the needs that you assessed and identified? It's not about being an expert at everything. Only pick the top two solutions because that forces you to become more clear and concise. The purpose of this week's action steps is to identify the top two questions and selecting the top two solutions because it gives you the practice to strengthen what will truly move the needle in your business, in your project, in your life. Why is it that certain people seem to have a knack for being at the right place at the right time? Aside from luck, it's because they are focusing in areas that matters the most. Are you metaphorically searching the entire beach to find the best wave to surf? Or are you zooming out to see if it's seasonally low tide or high tide? Are you searching for 20% of the beach that has 80% of the best waves? Are you spending the time and effort to identify what matters the most? And when you identify what matters the most, you must take action. When those windows of opportunity come towards your direction, you have to be able to seize those moments of opportunity by taking action. Otherwise, you'll be sitting in the sidelines as a spectator and you're not actively playing the game. And so final thoughts for today's episode. There's a quote I want to share. Time is an illusion. Timing is an art. This quote was by Stefan Imunds. Folks, I hope you enjoyed today's sharing of my key recipe and how you can get better in capturing the best timing. Timing is truly an art, and it takes practice in identifying 
when's the right time. And I hope by understanding the principles of the 80-20 rule and my sharings of the key learnings that I got in the wine class, that you start putting this week's action steps in practice. This will help you get better in capturing the right timing. You have to be able to zoom out, then zoom in on areas that matter the most, the areas that move the needle, then taking action to seize those moments. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Send me a DM on Instagram at Benjamin Ye. Hit that subscribe button to this Boom Vision podcast if you want to thrive together. And if you resonate with today's topic, please leave a positive comment and a five-star review on Apple Podcasts so that more people can benefit in listening to the show. Until next time, folks, be kind to yourself. Be in the light. Be you. Thank you so much for tuning in to my Boom Vision podcast. If you'd like to find out more about me in this podcast, head over to benjaminye.com. That's spelled B-E-N-J-A-M-I-N-Y-E-H.com. If you haven't already, click subscribe and I'll catch you next time.